I hate you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest, and what I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thinks, thinks, thinks. For some reason, that word thinks, I guess that is a word. In my brain, it just was more of a malfunction. Made me think of taco trucks. And I don't know, did they still make taco trucks? T-O-N-K-A. It was a, like a trucks that you play, I played with as a kid. Anyway, if your thoughts are keeping you awake, your thinks, uh, your stuff... You know, feeling. You know, you could have be having physical feelings or you know emotional experience. It could be a change in the weather or temperature. You could be trip. Whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. How's that sound? I'd like to be your boyfriend and tell you a little bedtime story. Yeah, tonight will be one of our super doll stories. But first, what I'll do is do a convoluted, uh, long-winded intro, which you can skip ahead if you need to. But a lot of people enjoy this and. It kind of, you know, sets the mood, which basically, here's the mood. I'll give you the short version. Don't need to pay attention to me. You know, don't pay me any mind. Like, as my Nana says, like, I'm, what does she say about me when I say, she said, oh, I'm the not bad boy, which I'll explain a little bit more. But so if you're new here, uh, it's a podcast about just sleep. I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside all that stuff. What I'm going to do uh, the way I'm going to create this safe place, I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones, uh, creaky dulcets that I have here. A lot of meanders, a lot of, you know, it, preposterous stuff. I think it, like it, like whatever the mild version of preposterous is, where you'll say, okay, I, like, like I said, you don't need to pay me any, don't pay him any mind. That's what my Nana used to always say to me, like in public, of course. Mostly to people like, you know, I'd say, hmm, she, hey, she said, don't pay him any mind. Or, you know, someone's stepping on my foot, I'd say, actually, excuse me, sir. She said, don't pay him. And I said, well, Nana, he's, he's that man standing on my foot. Don't pay him any mind. You know, and then as I got older and I dreamed of, you know, e- either love or love affairs, you know, one or the other or both. You know, I'd tell Nana and she, she, like, then, you know, she would, like, she'd have her tea cozy day. I think what they would do is drink tea and make tea cozies. I still am not clear what the difference between a tea cozy and a doily is. Uh, though, I mean, I guess maybe it's like, maybe that's like, a, is that cla- a class differential? You know, see, well, my grandma, she, my Nana, she was not my grandma. And also she's fictional. She lives in my mind. Uh, but she's 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 in the tea cozy class as opposed to the doily class, and I don't like. I guess those are those are class systems that are no longer in use, and I'm not even positive. Like I'd have to get an expert in, and I'm sure that I mean I think that's pretty. I know, but I don't think we need an expert. You say, well, tea cozy sounds like something you would knit and you DIY it, and you'd say, well, here's your tea cozies. And I'm sure there's people with elite uh, needle, whatever skills you do you use to make a doily. I don't know if that's needlepoint or 
need, like, I don't know, like, honestly, it's all, like, you know, stitch, I don't know what it is, but it, like, uh, most people purchase their doilies, as far as I know, I know, as, you know, proprietor of Doily Express, you know, the only doily store where you can get your doilies and go, and, you know, that, that was the Doily Express, uh, right, like, I thought it'd be, uh, there was a time I thought it would be a good idea, when I lived just with my nana, which is what I'm talking, and she would do it because I said one day I'm gonna have a tour, you know, you know, big love thing going with someone that has doilies, and then I stormed out. I think this was when I, you know, would have to bring because they were all, you know, busy. They had their laps, and they would have straws to their teacups, and then they would have me coming in. And of course, you could only bring, you know, lukewarm tea because of the straws. And I would have to tap off all their tea while they were making their cozies. Yeah, so life I lived once. And it was, you know, but like sometimes, and this was the worst part, is I'd, sometimes I'd stay behind and listen to what they'd say, you know, after I told them my dreams. And she, they would, you know, usually chuckle. And then she, they'd say, well, he's not bad, that boy, that boy here's... Uh, uh, Let's just say my nana was called Broomhilda, because if there was a if there was a proper nickname, that would have been what she would have been given. It's well, he's that nephew of yours is not bad, Broomhilda, and she'd say thanks, Eloise, because I think you know that's the main name of a Tico's here. And then they'd go on, and so and it, it took me a while to, for me to under, because then they would keep saying, "Well, he's not, he's not bad, he's not the bad boy." You know, they, I think at the time they were still on the waterfront was their definition of a good bad boy, you know, Brando, where I guess that was, you know, I guess I was the not bad version. I don't think that that's the person that gets cut out of movies. You know, I wasn't in. I would be in the water, you know, I wouldn't be on the waterfront. I'd be in the water, you know, probably swimming. And then I would just go home and go to bed. That's what the not bad boy does. But at the time, I didn't really realize what it meant. And it turns out that's what I am. And then finally, I found, you know, as most characters do in, like, you know, in fictional stories with an aunt named Nana, Yes, and Nana, I can't remember if she was my grandmother or my aunt. I think a combination of those. She developed from a coping mechanism. She she was an evolved coping mechanism that I weaponized and turned against myself somehow. Thanks, Nana. She's not talking tonight. Uh, she's, you know, because she, she has a straw in her mouth. Her and her friends are here in the podcast studio making tea cozies. While I dream of, of a land, a luscious land with, uh, you know, high-class doilies. And anyway, anyway, I forgot him in the middle of a podcast intro, but so I'm the not bad boy. That's what I was trying to get across. And if you're, it, that's a neutral thing. You say, well, he's not bad. So Scoots is your boyfriend. So what does that mean exactly? You know, especially if you're in a relationship, there's no, like, and if you're the relationer or whatever, no need to, I'm not threatening. I'm not bad boy. Because this will be the kind of, like, I'll take all the piece, and I'll give you all the pieces and say, well, what about that scooch? You sleep with him every night. And I say, well, yeah, but he's not bad. You know, you, you actually, you know, you're great, good or you're bad, you know, we can role play. You know, scoots, he's just not bad. He's a boyfriend. You know, puts me puts me asleep, and that's what I do. I fill in. 
so that you can sleep as well or for everyone. I mean, I'm here for you. I'm your boyfriend. I'm not bad. And what does it mean when it's not bad? He's saying, well, it's, uh, you don't need to listen. It's like if you're eating something and it's not bad, you really don't got to pay attention. You just consume it. And that's exactly what you could do with this podcast. You don't even need to consume it. I guess like uh, it just exists in the same room as you. You do, you like lightly monitor it. But in, and here's the thing: you don't need to do it that way either. If you're if you're interested in what I'm saying, or if you want a little extra company, I'll be here for an hour. And I put a lot of work into this, you know, so you don't have to. So, so, but 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 so I'll be here, so you have the option. Like you can fall asleep. You don't need to listen to me. You don't need to consume the podcast. But if you if you need to, you say, well, you know, I'm, have, I'm having a little trouble letting go of that thing, you know, with, my, you know, my internal Nana and her saying, you know, my, my cross stitching of the Ticos, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'll try to take your mind off of it. That's why I use the lulling, soothing tones. That's why I use these meanders where I, where I get, you know, that's why I imagine it's like right now, like I'd say 33% of my brain is still trying to figure out where on the waterfront I would, if I'm the not bad boy and, you know, I could make that movie just into a landscape in my mind, which I guess I already have. And I can think of all the major players in the film. Where would the not, you know, the not bad boy would be off. Of course I'd be off frame, but I then I guess the interest, you know, the curious part of me would be like, well, what would I be doing? And I guess that's what I'd be doing, swimming. Uh, I don't know what else. <laughs> what else would you do on the water? Well, you could maybe go for a walk, too. And maybe whistle, but that might, I think the main, I think one of the characters, you know, one of the extras would probably handle that. So even in a movie, you really don't have a place for a not bad boy. They have best boys, I think. They have key, you have a key grip, you have best boy. And you get some other stuff, you know, that you always look and you, the, the, those things have all been dispelled. They're like, oh, well, the best boy actually has a really important job. I mean, has that one been, like, that does seem a little dated, though. I mean, key grip, that sounds, uh, I don't know, I usually, I, I usually have more access to all the other interesting names of, but anyway, like, you know, when, when you look at a movie, you could wait till the end of the movie. There's not going to be not bad boy. Uh, by the way, if you're making a movie, do you do me a favor, sneak sneak it in there. It, like right, ideally, you know, somewhere around like, you know, right after, you know, say, you know, and then Jennifer Lawrence, not bad boy. You know, you don't even have to put me in. You know, you can put somebody else in, but it'd be pretty cool. Not bad boy. You know, or you'd say, well, Jennifer, you know, actually, you know, whatever, you know, Brad Pitt actually comes in and they say, okay, well, just put me after the key grip then, but not bad boy. If you're going to put me after the key grip, though, put in Scooter or Drew uh, or Nana. You could just put in Broomhilda. I don't have a last name at this time because it's fictionalized. But anyway, I mean, I'd love to be your not bad boy. And I guess that's like for a lot of people, that's a reason to chuckle or say, wow, you really do have a dream, don't you? But I'd say when you when you you know you let the first judgment wash back out to sea on the waterfront, it's a pretty sweet job. I get to be here. I get to try to keep you company or to take your mind off stuff or ramble while you don't have the pressure to listen or to fall asleep. You just can't you know, like it's just here. The podcast is here. 
to take your mind off stuff to help you fall asleep. Now, if you're new, sometimes it takes a few tries to listen to the show. Uh, and you say, well, because you're not sure about it, because obviously you're going to be skeptical. So what the heck am I trying to do? And you say, well, even a not bad boy has his, has his day in the in the in the water on the waterfront, just off camera, and you know, a sleep podcast. And you know, like the podcast doesn't work for everybody. So if you really dislike it this far, uh, I've heard from other people that probably share your viewpoint. So no, you know, like 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 there's no pressure for you to like it. So, so I don't know if that takes the pressure off of uh, you know sending me one of those emails that I get. But so. But most of the time, you know, no, no. But all honestly, I'm glad you're here because because I've had a lot of trouble sleeping throughout my life, including some really nasty bouts in the deep dark night. And that's why I make this show. And I'd be honored if it helped you fall asleep, even if it just makes you giggle a little bit, and then you you fall into a deep sleep. You don't even hear most of what I'm saying. Then that means I'm doing my job. Uh, but also, if you're struggling to fall asleep and you need this show, or you need a little company through through the whole hour. Or maybe you need two or three shows. It's also my honor to be here to keep you company and to be your not bad boy. So I'm glad you're here. I appreciate your time. And I really hope and I really yearn to help you fall asleep. All right. All right. So it's time for another episode of Superdoll Stories, our serial series of stories of the Superdoll, which was an early series we did with a team of superheroes that were on call. You know, that was the super, they were super and it was doll. Uh, and this is just stories, so each of these episodes can be listened to in any order, totally episodic, because they're stories and they're super doll. They're also it's a double. I don't know if that's a double entendre. They're super doll stories, uh, but you know. Uh, so here's another episode of super doll stories. If I couldn't have set it up worse, you know. But this is sleep. I don't know why my internal critics get on my case. They should super doll. You know, super be quiet because this is a sleep podcast. Super doll is a good thing. Uh, internal critic. Yeah, I see I gave you a little positive attention. Good job keeping an eye on me, though. Time for another Superdoll Stories, by the way. Let's not just make this about us. Thanks, everybody. Uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for being here. We're gathered here in this wonderful uh, uh, facility deep, deep, deep within the earth. It's so impressive. Uh, and I'm so proud to uh, speak to all of you who are gathered together here. And I'd like to tell you a story. Uh, it's from my childhood. It might be a familiar tale. It was told to me uh, before it became my story. It, it was told to me as a story uh, when I was just a boy. And I've often wondered, you know, why they tell children such tales as these. Uh, for stories like this to the precocious little ones seems to stir their curiosity instead of their caution. Now, as most of you know, my parents were engineers, and they were both working on the rebuilding of uh, the waterways in New California. And as a child, their love of water rubbed off on me. I remember being in those canals and my mind couldn't comprehend we were in the hot, hot valley and I'd be swimming and diving while mother and father worked or we picnicked. And father would explain to me that this was the same water that we'd seen months earlier up in the mountains. 
that once was snow that fell from the heavens. And he explained to me, you know, the mechanics of snow melt, and then, and, and, you know, my mind would more drift away uh, to, to one of my favorite activities when we would be up in the mountains. We lived at the top of this hill, and as uh, spring would uh, start to come, or during a winter warming streak, uh, as the giant mounds of snow would start to melt and run down the street, I would design my own canals of snow and sticks and mud, and I would try to manage my own waterways and and stop the flow of the water, change the flow of the water, and watch it wear away the snow and reinforce the snow and deal with the persistent flow. Sometimes I would try to resist it, and sometimes, you know, I'd just make it for for my G.I. Joes. Those were an old toy when I was a boy, Uh, and you wouldn't understand, but maybe you would. But I would have them make them little boats to, to flow down my snow-made canals. And father and mother would come out and and they would have a laugh because I'd be soaked through my little snowsuit, catching a cold, unaware, uh, you know, that I was sopping wet. And it was even though it seemed warm, it was really cold. Like many of you and like my parents, I found water fascinating. Everything about it was both known and simple, but also this mystery. And it brought me so much, you know, these memories I talked to. Even the memory itself it may be water-based, if if you catch my drift. Pardon my pun, excuse me, that was cheap, ladies and gentlemen. But as many of you know and many of you experience what happened in in New California, I, as a boy, moved, it was relocated uh, to live with family in the Netherlands. And I didn't know them. And at first I just, it was a lot for a child to deal with, as all of us know. But I moved to this small town on the river I would call the Muse River. And it drove my uncle, or my state, still didn't understand. They said, you're not my father. Why are you my uncle? But anyway, I always assisted, insisted in calling it the Muse River. And this was one of these old, nearly ancient villages right on the side of the river, protected from the river by a dike just as old, you know, as the, as, as the town itself. Uh, deep within the wall that protected the town from the river, you know, was the old riverbank itself. And while this old dike had been reinforced, it had never been modernized. It stood strong for 500 years, never failing this town, keeping the muse at bay, uh, storms and floods, and, and there was other river systems, you know, to, to try to control the flow of the muse. But this was one of the rare spots uh, 
that the, the, the levy always held. And it captivated me. There was this riverside path, and uh, you know, I had a lot to think about at those times, or a lot of thoughts to escape. And I was in this new place with this new family, and so I would walk that path, and I would look at the muse. And my mind would be boggled because my eyes were at the same level as the water. And it still barely made sense to me that this wall, the entire river was held by this wall and guided. And structurally, it made sense to me. I don't know, there's just something about it being at eye level and just feet away. I found it captivating, and I found myself just staring at the water, thinking about this uh, slow, massive, silent power uh, going by, and then thinking that this this earthen-made thing was was helping control it and had for so long that it had held all this power at bay, and, and maybe I thought about it a little bit too much. Uh, because even though I was old enough to probably know better, that childhood story uh, kept creeping back into my mind and picturing, you know, a little hole in, in a little boy or the little girl plugging the hole with their finger and just wonder, it just couldn't, get it out of my mind, and I would stare eye-level at the muse. And my mind would wander back to my childhood and that story. And as I said, I was a precocious, curious child. I don't think you could analyze me and wonder what my motivation was. Was it pure precociousness and curiousness or something Something else, something more shadow. I, I, I don't. I, I've thought about it many times. I don't feel like it was, but I'm sure you could imagine what happened next because it was calling to me. And one morning, I went into my uncle's workshop, and I found one of those old-fashioned drills—the ones with the U joint, the hand-powered drill, where you hold your palm on one end. And you move your hand in that circular motion to make the drill go. And this was, I think this was a bung drill uh, for my uncle, as I called him, was a cooper. As I moved that drill in my hand around and around, and I thought about the cartoons I had seen as a child, and the story I'd been told about the child, and I thought about the wall, and I thought about the water, and I thought about the river muse. And I walked down to that path, right on the edge of town. And I quickly looked around, and I began to drill. And as I drilled and saw the wall disintegrate under the... This was quite a nice bit my uncle had. I started to drill more and more furiously. I started to feel some power, some compulsion to keep going. Nothing in my mind thought of anything else. I was consumed with drilling this hole. 
until it popped and the drill bit went through and the wall gave way. And I paused for a second and I pulled the drill out. And at first nothing happened. And I think the river in time must have paused in disbelief for 500 years this river had been probing this wall and just following and flowing where it could go. And the river must have sat there and said, this can't be right. Uh, but then the river must have realized that this wall that had so long prevented its escape now had a new hole to explore. And at first it was just a little bit of water, but quickly it became a flow and then a spray. And for a moment I was frozen. And maybe I was in awe and maybe I had taken on some godlike power, some demigod power. And then I, I started to panic and I threw the drill into a bush that wasn't far away. And I thought for a second that, Jesus, if, if this was some Roman or Greek god, they could just undo the deed, but I could not. Then I pushed my hand against the hole, uh, hoping to stop the flow. And a woman came by right when I was in my initial panic, pushing my hand and, and seeing if it was going to hold. And my heart was beating, my mind was racing. And I told her what I had done. And she gave me a curious look. Uh, maybe she was wondering if, she, if I was telling the truth. She couldn't comprehend a boy uh, drilling a hole in this ancient wall. And then she hurried off and she said she was going to fetch help. And after she left, it felt like hours went by. I was standing there and, and, and my social survival instincts started to kick in. I said, yeah, I knew... I would be in trouble, and I wondered, should I, what should I do? Should I run? Should I leave the hole? What, what, what would happen? And I even took my hand away for a second, and the water started to spray harder, and I saw a little tiny piece of the wall spray out, and I put my hand back on. And I knew the consequence of my action. I was stuck. And now, whatever I had done, the water started to seep out past my palm. It was no longer, you know, I really started to, to get worried. I said, what am I going to do? And I knew I would have to calm myself, so I started just watching the river. Looking at the clouds in the sky reflected in the muse. Watching the occasional leaf float by. And then it started to lightly rain, and I watched the raindrops, and I soon forgot about time, so I'm not sure how long passed as I watched each drop patter and drip. Again, I became, you know, I, I fell under the influence of this muse, and I did ponder for a quick second. I said, you know, what are you doing to me? But then the raindrops uh, seemed to soothe my mind. And I mean, looking back at it, all of us have been in a relationship and you could say, huh, what was that river up to? What was the water in the sky up to? 
as it dripped and dropped, and it didn't make me forget about my grip on the hole. Uh, but it, it, so it did. I said, "Huh," but it was so soothing. In the sound of the dripping, everything became far away, and I just watched and I noticed the color of the river change as the sky grew darker. As the wind picked up on its surface, uh, scattering the little tiny impact waves of the raindrops. And then I heard a man yelling in the distance, and I looked over my shoulder. And jogging down a hill uh, from town uh, that rose up behind the town was an older gentleman carrying a, like a pump, a water pump, you know, with an extendable hose, a hand pump. And he was waving to me, and he had a kind look on his face. Uh, and I realized he, he was a man that my uncle did not, uh, he call, I think my uncle called him the town dolts. And he told me not to worry and I said, he said, you get there. You know, we had a little conversation. He said, what happened? I said, well, I found this hole in the wall. And he said, it must be a weak spot. And I said, it must have been a weak spot. You're right. I put my hand over it. And the water's leaking out. It had puddled at my feet, but it had not uh, grown to a size that had me worried yet. And he said, I'm not sure what to do. Uh, someone was going for help. And he said, yes, that was my wife. She sent me down here to try and help you. And I guess there was a part of me with that social survival instinct, waiting and watching his face, and it just seemed too kind. And I wondered what his wife had told him. And he said, well, I've got an idea to fix this. And I said, great. He said, well, we'll just pump the water back into the river. And he was showing me how the pump worked in very simple terms. But the pump, and he said, you just stick it here, and then we'll pump it there, and we'll throw the hose over into the river. And we'll pump the river back into the river, just like a circle. And I took a breath, and... I knew that was impossible. I mean, for a second, I said it couldn't be that easy, could it? And I quickly realized, I said, that's not possible. And he said, no, 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 it's a vacuum. We'll just keep pumping and pumping. And I said, no, no, we can't pump. We'll never get a seal. We, can't, we won't be able to pump fast enough. And I tried to show him how the water was slowly leaking around my palms. And I said, see, see, even I... And then he was at, he said, what does it feel like having the whole river pressing against your hand? I said, well, I believe it or not, said, he said, I'm pressing very hard to try to get the seal. But I said, I don't think, the, the, I said, it's strange, strange, uh, not that hard. But I said, the water's leaking out the sides of my hand. If we put the pump there, there's no way. And he didn't, I said, you see my flesh can press up against the rock and the stone a little bit harder. And then he explained to me that it wasn't rock, it was a hardened clay covered in some, you know, little layer of concrete or something. 
And I said, real, I said, hardened clay. And I said, I have an idea then. I have an idea. Because I thought about the seal. And he said, if there's just clay just under there. And he said, oh, yeah, this is just this little, little bit of, uh, you know, spray, concrete spray, you know, for the tourists used to try to take little pieces of the wall. He laughed, Americans just like you, or they'd carve And I said, okay, is this enough? It was a political commentary. I have an idea for a vacuum seal. And he said, what do I do? And I said, well, you, you're going to pump you're going to pump the whole water out of the hole that my hand's on and the air out. And he didn't really understand. And he said, we'll make a vacuum seal. And he, he smiled, and, he, and, then I, and then I thought for a second. I said, what did your wife tell When your wife ran up, what, you really came, you're really here to help. What did your wife tell you? And she said, a boy found a hole in the wall, and he's plugging it. Get down there and help him. I breathed, and for the first time I felt, I said, well, we could fix this. We could fix the hole, and I think I'm safe. Uh, no one knows, uh, and I said, climb onto the wall, and then finally I figured, I said, just, you, then you just, it's the same plan, but almost reverse, and then it'll suction my hand to the hole. And then he asked me, and I said, I don't know what'll happen. I think it'll be fine. And if it starts to not be fine, I'll tell you with every slow pump. And so he climbed up on the wall and he lowered his pump in the water. And then we, you know, it took a while for him to get a seal on the other side of the hole, but the other side was all the clay. So he finally figured out how to get a good seal. And then he started slowly pumping, and, uh, you know, the wall was only as wide as my arm, two, three feet, four feet, I don't know, you know, uh, two feet. And so quickly I felt the air suck through the tiny, tiny holes where the water was leaking out, and my hand started to suction up against the hole. And then we ran some tests. I said, stop, and, and then let's see. And then we had an airtight seal, and then occasionally we would just have to pump the air back out and reseal my hand on there. And he even managed to angle the pump in a way that I could reach it, because he said, well, geez, I'll have to get more help. And, you know, I, my wife's home with the children. And so I said, okay, go get more help. And, and there I stood, occasionally pumping, and, and you might wonder what it felt like, and it didn't. At first, it burned a little bit uh, while it pulled, but pretty soon, you know, the rain increased, and again, the muse distracted me for just a minute. For not long after that, uh, this man came back, and uh, villager after villager followed him. And as the showers uh, started to rain down on the river, the attention of the village started to shower on me. And at first it was questions, and then it was kindness, because uh, it seems I said, well, there's just a found this whole hole in the wall. And he stuck my hand on it, and then I explained the system. And they said they had sent word to the county engineers, uh, you know, that the, the people were on it, and people, you know, people were trying to figure out a solution. And, but a lot of the, the working age people weren't in town, you know, because of, 
because of the, the time period of this when I was a boy. But they said not to worry, I can hold the hole. And, and people, they were so pleased and happy. Their eyes were so warm. And the relief I felt when I saw in their faces that no one knew what I had done. No one knew about the hole I had drilled. Uh, that was sweet relief, and they put blankets around me, and they fed me soup, and soon they were constructing a shelter around me for the rain. Warm tea and brandy. And as the evening came, they built a fire, and people said, and I said, no, 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 we can't leave in my hand. I'm fine, I'm fine. Even, you know, a little blanket that I could hide myself when I had to when I had too much tea, you know, when I had to relieve my system of tea. But there was also kisses, uh, some kisses uh, were on my forehead, and some kisses were on my cheek, and a few kisses were on my lips. And those kept me warm. For not long after that, the storm really started to increase. And people tried to stay, stay with me as the wind was picked up. And, you know, I said, I said, go home. No, no, I'm fine. I had plenty of blankets and jackets. And I was warm. And the wind started to whip and the rain started to fall and the muse started to flow. And occasionally I would have to pump a little bit harder or so another, another young village boy or girl would be there to pump for me to keep my hand in place, to keep the river at bay. As the rain increased more and more, and then people came back with reports of flooding down river and flooding up river, and that we needed to figure something else out because, you know, they said if the hole, if you can hold the hole, you know, and my arm, you know, got tired, you know, I had a place to sit and it was at the right level. Um... But the burning had stopped, uh, and I told everyone not to worry, you know, and, and, and then even when night came, and I fell in and out of sleep as children kept watch over me and watch over the pump. You know, my hand was sealed there, so it wasn't like it was going to fall off. Though it seemed to have this heroic halo about it that I was somehow keeping my hand suctioned on there. As long as you were pumping at the pump occasionally, it kept the vacuum seal. But not long into the next day, around 10 or 11, the storm started to wane. And I sort of just watched as the debris from upriver was flowing and flowing by. You know, garbage and... Uh, old trees and leaves. And then now the muse was even above my eye line, flowing above me as I held her at a distance. I mean, technically, I was, you know, just a blockade, blockage, but, but then the sun came out, and it was a warm, warm sun. And the village started to come out, and Along the grass on the side of the river path, they started to picnic and 
bring me food and people were playing music and playing games and laughing and taking time to stop and pat me, rub my arm. And for a while I forgot it. It, uh, it was in the trance of the attention and the trance of the river and I'd forgotten. And that's when a little boy yelled out, Mama, Mama, look what I found here. Mama, Mama, I found a drill. And he pulled the drill out of the bush. And at first his mother, you know, waved his head, but then one of the older gentlemen said, let me have a look at this. And it didn't take long. I watched it all unfold, almost like waves on a shoreline. And I, I longed for someone to just brush it off, but they see they figured out it was my uncle's drill and that it was too new to have been in the bush for long and that it was too valuable to be lost. And then the whispering started and the looking at me. People And people started to gather up their picnic baskets and their children. And they started to leave. And some people took the time to tell me how they felt or what they thought. And of course, right around then was when the woman who lived up on the hill, whose husband had brought the pump, came down and quickly confirmed what everyone had started to suspect that I drilled the hole in the wall, that I was the one responsible. You know, that I had put the town at, you know, the whole nine yards or whatever they would say there. That I was only holding the music bay because of my own folly. And, you know, and because I was from out of town and because of the, just the events of the time. People were very, very upset with me, understandably, understandably. And so the treats were gone, and the kisses were gone, and soon the villagers were gone. And they said, you could wait for the engineers to come. And, you know, m many other things were said. And, you know, at first I had that feeling you have when you get caught. And, uh, you know, that red around the face feeling and that combination of uh, resistance, uh, I guess they call that, a, you know, the, to, to, you know, to, 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 to either put it into words or to, to let it all go. And, and, but everyone quickly left and I returned my attention back to the muse. I returned my attention to the muse and I watched her flow again and I watched as the rain picked up and pattered and pattered and I almost felt a connection as a, the, like a flow between the river and my hand with each beating of my heart. And then I started to get hungry and started to overthink things and think about the villagers and... And I started to think about taking my hand off uh, for a bit. Uh, but I looked back at the river, and, and then I knew. And I thought about, you know, how long would I have to wait? And, you know, how who did they think they were? Then I would have to stay here and pump. And how long do they think I could pump and keep the seal? 
And I thought about taking my hand off and, and letting, you know, letting the whole village wash away. I mean, I knew it wouldn't have, it would take time. And the storm picked up again. I thought about my hand, uh, you know, because at times it was cold in the cold in the rain, but I, you know, would lean, I had to move where I would lean against it and keep it warm. And then my attention again turned to the river. You know, the clouds were dark, dark gray, almost black, and, you know, the color of the river had changed even with the mud stirred up, and now the dark sky was like a giant cauldron. And, I, you know, I just watched it, and I imagined things, and I saw dreams, and I think I was hypnotized for a time. And then my thoughts cauldroned again and, you know, thought about how, you know, what do I, you know, the whole debate, uh, internal debate of uh, staying versus going, of right versus wrong, raged within me as the river, the muse raged outside of me. But then something happened again with the rain and it slowed to that same point earlier where in between each drip drop of rain was the silence, and the silence was long. The drops had enough waves that it started to, you know, when it would impact, they must have been heavy, heavy drops. Because I started to watch the leaves, and they would ride over the motion after the drop, the little waves going out and concentric circles and he started to watch them more and more and think about uh, how I used to build those canals in the snow and how the leaves would flow down in the water then I started to think about all the debris flowing by and, and then I had another idea and I used the stool they had left me, and I climbed up on the stool so that my hand was stretched down, but I got my shoulder up on the wall, and I threw one leg up on the wall, over the wall. My toes were in the water, and you know, I was very splayed out on this wall. And I looked at the pump and I saw that debris had gathered around the upstream portion, the leaves and sticks and small pieces of trash. And I watched the raindrops and, and then I had an, I, 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 I was struck by a solution. In between those drops, I got some hope and I knew that I wouldn't have to hold this hole forever and that I could fix what I had done. Couldn't undo what I had done, but I could fix it. And I started reaching in and, and I started reaching in the river and pulling out handfuls of leaves and little sticks and breaking the sticks with one hand against the top of the wall and really stretching. I could feel the vacuum on my hand and gathering up some plastic bags and some old paper. And I started to make a plug. And I started to mush and mash and squish and squash. 
and roll. And I said, well, maybe. And then I, I said, well, this could be the outside plug. And then I made little cigars or cigarillos of leaves and paper. And I even grabbed the tarp they had left to keep me dry. And I, I, I knew I would get out of the, this uh, situation. And as all of you know, you wouldn't be here if you weren't familiar with uh, what I did next was I plugged that hole. That was a temporary plug, but it was a very effective fl- plug. You know, for the flow, once I, once I got everything in the hole, the the pressure of the river itself kept the uh, the hole and the plug in place, and for a time, it couldn't tell if there was anything coming out because of the rain was still slowly waning away, and I stood there. And, you know, on the the, the, the the land side, there was still a, a little bit of a hole there. You could stick your finger in and you could touch uh, everything that I jammed in through the riverside. But then the rain finally died down. And I started to think about it. And then I started to think about my clothes. I said, Jesus, they didn't know if my clothes, but... It, and I started ripping off more things and plugging it even further, maybe overdoing it. But then the rain stopped and I noticed, you know, almost no water was coming through, just a tiny, tiny flow, barely a trickle. And it wasn't long after that that down the path came two engineers from the county or the, I don't know, and they knew what happened. And one of them took me aside and put his arm around me, and he had a big smile on his face. He told me that he had, you know, the same that this was, a, you know, that I must be an engineer. And actually, he had heard, my, he must have known my uncle, that my parents were engineers. And his partner was explaining to him the, the, the plug I had created. And then he explained to me what they were going to do to fix it. And that wasn't really that different. And that what I had done, it was a terrible idea, but that in a town with a levy, within every child that might be an engineer, is that curiosity in that urge to probe. And he told me it would be okay. Uh, and and, it, and it, it kind of was. I it decided that this, uh, this uh, it didn't, it didn't work out in this town. But I knew that this engineer was right about me. And I, I'm sure that as I speak to all of you, I see a lot of heads nodding. What's brought us here today you know, we're all gathered here because we share a mission now to keep something much larger at bay. And, you know, we will do our jobs. I'm proud to be uh, heading up this project, and I know that we will do our jobs to probe the sea as the sea probes us. And that is why we will succeed
at keeping it at bay. And together we'll stay curious and we'll stay precocious and we'll stay vigilant. And if needed, we'll stay the whole night. Uh, and yes, we were, you know, we could say who, where the, where, what caused all of this water. But we, we won't place blame. We will do our duties. So I'm, I'm proud to be working with all of you. And I hope that story is re- relatable because it's real. I, I, I hope I didn't reveal too much of myself to all of you. But I'm happy to be your director. And I wish you all a good day. Okay, I want to thank all our new patrons, uh, Diana, Stacy, Allison, and Heather. Thank you and good night. Uh, good night to Lauren and Andrea and Carol and Ellen. Thanks and good night uh, to Melissa and Audrey and Jasmine and Steph. Good night and thank you and good night to Steph. And Ruth and Soul J and Catherine L. Thank you and good night. Also a big thank and good good night to Teresa and Sierra and Pat and Susan. Good night. Let me fluff your pillows for Jeff and Lexi and Samir and Daniel. Pull up your covers uh, for Frank and Bonajean and Teresa and Trevor. Tuck you in for Kim and Carol and Faith and Orion. Another uh, good night to Garcia. And another big good night to Gracia and Terry and Adam and Ellen. And good night to Aaron and Vibrata and Rabbi and Carolyn. Thank you to Simone and Lee and John and Mary. And oh, good night to Rosemary and Julie and Joe and Emma. Big good nights to Leo and Sean and Abigail and Trudy. A special good night to Jessica and Rebecca and Don, Donna and Millicent. Good night. You know, let, let me fluff the pillows too for Lisa and Karina and Jay and Aaron. Good night to Carrie and Patrick and Roshini and Tanya. A uh, big good night to Dan from Save It for the Show and Julie and Antoinette. Good night. Big good night to Steve and Clara and Catherine and Hannah. A good night. And good night to Janet and Melissa and Mike D and Schaefer. Good night. And also good night to Michael and Pam and Aaron and Linda. Good night. And finally, good night to Carol Lee and Anna. Good night. And then over on PayPal, good night to Regina and Dakota. Uh, good night to Tyler and Jennifer R. Good night to Janet and Flashcards Deluxe. Uh, uh, good night to Linda and Carol. Uh, good night to Laura and Shulk. Uh, good night to Ariana and Sasha. Uh, good night to Michael and Lauren. Uh, good night to Hazel. And good night to Michelle. Good night, everybody. Thank you. And uh, and then also good night to Farah and Catherine, Mary, and Carolyn. 
Rebecca and Amy and Alexis and Scott and Marie and Sarah D. Thank you and good night, everybody, on Venmo, too. Good night. And don't forget Sleep With Me is a part of Feral Audio. And don't forget giving yourself a chance to check out Doughboys, uh, Spoonman, Mike, Mike Mitchell, and Nick Weiger. Get over it. It'll make you laugh. Okay, good night. And, you know, sleep tight.